Live at 5 Sports with Todd and Suhan, brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort. Uh, the Twins uh, beaten 8-7 to yesterday afternoon, Jim, by the Seattle Mariners, a team that, you know, resembles the Twins in a lot of ways. So thus they had a three one-run games, uh, went into extra innings the day before. Uh, a pretty good series. Any concerns about the Twins coming off losing two out of three to Seattle? Well, they continue their, you know, Julie. I mean, they suddenly have a very good lineup with Buxton and Polanco coming back. Now, I don't know if Buxton is a, a positive or a negative at this point. Polanco should be a positive. If, he, if Polanco can handle third base and you can keep Julian at second base, and then you can have, you know, Walner or Buxton or whoever is hot DH uh, or mix in the outfield, you know, then, then this, is, this lineup is producing. Uh, so that's a great development. The Tuesday night game was a bad game. You just you can't lose with your your supposed ace on the mound, six two lead late in the game. You just that's a that's a really difficult loss. Yesterday, my concern is that Joe Ryan, you know, Walner has two home runs, but my concern is that Joe Ryan has just not been sharp for a while now. Yeah. And and you know, the the cool thing about Joe Ryan is he can pitch up in the zone with a ninety four mile an hour fastball. It's fascinating to watch. Uh, it takes guts and it takes really uh, command and spin rate and everything else. But he does, you know. But that style of pitching doesn't have much margin for error. If it's not spinning, or if it's not at the top of the strike zone, then it's a, a batting practice fastball. And he's getting hit hard right now. And he's, and even when he gets ahead in people on people or deep in the count, he's having trouble putting them away. Yeah, it, it is curious. Uh, in ERA at two point nine eight, June twenty second. Now he's at four oh six. So it has been uh, a rough stretch for him here. I don't, it, sometimes it's hard to put your finger on. I mean, if they knew what we, what he was doing, he'd fix it. You know, it's release point a little bit. You know, the location is over the plate more instead of just off the corner. Uh, it can be a really difficult thing to figure out why a guy suddenly starts struggling. Yes, it can be. You know, and, and, you know, we talk about the mental side of the game. We talk about the mechanical side of the game. And sometimes they're interrelated, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes a thought or a lack of the right thought can affect your mechanics and your approach. So it is mysterious. Um, the key is that he gets back to his old spin rate and his old location with the fastball, and if he has that, then his breaking pitch is set up really well. The uh, you, you referenced the uh, lineup banging away, but, but the bullpen uh, kind of showing some cracks. And But the trade that they made with Miami yesterday was basically, what, two guys are both struggling, let's see if a change uh, of scenery helps them. Exactly. Uh, both have talent. Lopez. We know about Lopez's struggles with uh, mental health, and I mean, he just needed to go someplace else where he's not thinking about this. And 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 I mean, there's no guarantee that this works out on either end. It's just a what the heck move. But yeah. they needed to move Lopez to get back a guy who has some talent, who hasn't performed all that well, and they, you know, they're always very confident they can help somebody like that. But you know, sometimes they're overconfident in that. Uh, the sales sign is up in Chicago. Uh, you know, you look at the number of tradable guys that the White Sox have, there's several, and you wonder, why could, why aren't they a better team? I mean, they deal two good pitchers yesterday, Giolito and then Reynaldo Lopez, their reliever, but we're hearing maybe Dylan Cease could be on the market, uh, as well as uh, Yuan Mancada, uh, some other guys that they have uh, in the lineup. They have good players, but they're just not very good as a team usually. It's a bad organization, huh. and they, it was easy to blame everything on Tony LaRusso. He's an old, grumpy guy. Hmm. They're performing just as badly this year as they did last year, and they have talent. I mean, as you said, everybody wants about they got about ten players that everybody wants, yeah. and something's wrong there. And 
LaRusso wasn't the solution, but I'm not sure he was the entire problem either. Um, and really, even when, other than 2005, even when they were good, they always felt like they weren't as good as they should have been. Mm-hmm. And this is just kind of a culmination of all that. Yeah. And then, and then the Angels, I don't know, I don't know they've made some proclamation, but it sure seemed like it watching the reporting yesterday, uh, have taken Otani out of the trade market and then they go and buy Giolito uh, or, or trade for Giolito and Lopez at the same time, even though they're six games out of the wild card. Uh, it's, it smells like Artie Moreno again got involved here and said, I'm not trading Otani. I've changed my mind. Yeah. I mean, this is a play to, this is a play to convince Otani that the angels have a chance to win. He's basically rolling the dice saying, mm. you know, it, if bringing in Giolito and keeping, and by the way, the information on Otani, I'm sure is good. It's recorded by Tom Verducci. Yep, excellent. Yep, yep. So, so uh, I believe that completely. Um, and it, it's a play. It's, it's a roll of the dice it's saying we have maybe the best player in baseball. Maybe if we can win now, he'll have a reason to sign with us. Yeah. And Mike Trout is Mr. Angel. And if they trade yep. Otani, that's not going to make Trout very happy. No, and Trout has never won anything, even while he was the best player in the game for a number of years. So, so this is Moreno saying, instead of folding, let's try to win with these two players. And I mean, I, in a way, what does he have to lose? Yeah, I mean, they've, they've been lousy for so long. What does he have to lose? Yeah, I, the only thing is if he's going to walk, but they don't know he will, will walk. I'm going to guess they'll make a play for him uh, in the off season, and then if if you don't trade him, then you didn't get prospects in return or something. I suppose would be the only thing. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, that that is the cost. Mm-hmm. I guess what I'm saying is that, you know, some with some franchises, it feels like they're perpetually rebuilding, mm-hmm. and and I'm not sure the Angel fan base wants to see them trade the best player in the game for prospects who might be good in three years. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Lakes winners again last night. The uh, Fisa Collier though left before the game was over after turning over an ankle. Have you heard anything more on her status? It doesn't sound good at the moment. Now, they didn't have an update after the game last night. We don't have anything new this morning yet, but it didn't sound great. And they're, they got three games, tough games coming up here. Uh, good thing is Diamond Miller really played well last night. Kayla McBride has broken out of her slump, and they finish off that game. But tough games coming up. They're 11-13, and they're not very good with Anafisa Collier. It's not a, good, not a good feeling right now around that team. Yeah. Uh... So Big Ten Media Days this week for uh, college football, and the Gophers are there. They'll have the dais today with uh, Coach Fleck and the players. But there was a report that came out from some outlet called Front Office Sports talking about the culture, and they called it a cult of a culture with the Gopher football program. What do you, what do you make out of that uh, reporting? So it's interesting because you have that report, and then you, of course, have a lot of current former Gopher players saying they love it there. Yep. I, I, I think in this case, I think there's an, there's smoke. I think there's a little fire. I also think that everything that's being described is the nature of modern college football, yeah. or, or not modern college football, college football, period. Uh, you know, every to me, they are cults. <laughs> right. Every team is kind of a cult. Um, so I think P.J., is from what I've heard from the people I know around the program, PJ is does encourage a cult-like atmosphere. Mm. When he walks in the room, he wants people to like stand up and treat him like a king. Mm. Um, he does push players to play with and through injuries. Uh, the accusations of him, you know, that we've heard in the past about trainers using Toradol, all that stuff. I, I don't, I don't know that any of the specifics have been proven. Mm. Um, 
I, I so I, it's like I'm kind of somewhere in the middle. I don't necessarily believe that uh, PJ is you know is evil, mm-hmm. but I do think he wants that program to feel a little bit like a cult. Hmm. Interesting. Get everybody to buy in. You're either one of us or you're not, kind of a thing. It, and and that's why I'm saying, yep. if, you know, any accusation you make of him, I'm guessing you could make of almost. And I'm not. This isn't really a defense. It's really not a an accusation. I'm just saying that I think this is the way college football works. Yeah, uh, yeah, it is. And and uh, and a head college football coach has as much power as as anybody uh, in terms of the world of sports over you know selecting players and how they're coached and everything. I mean, they really are. Uh, you know, they have fiefdoms in college football. I, that is the word I always use. Mm-hmm. They are fiefdoms. You know, you, you hey, you know, Derek Falvey has his role, and he get fired if he doesn't perform. Rocco Baldelli has his role, and he will get fired if the team doesn't perform. And that's kind of the way professional sports work. It's why I like professional sports. Mm-hmm. Everything's on the table. Yep. They're playing. You know, we know what the financials are. Nobody's paying anybody under the table other than Glenn Taylor, um, <laughs> and, and and it's all out in the open. And, and everybody knows that you got to perform. Keep your job. College, it really, I mean, I don't, I don't know of a better word uh, if for the, the big successful programs or for football programs in general other than they want it to be a cult. It's all us against them, and don't you can't dare question us, and the coach has all the power. Yeah. Uh, 3M Open cranks up today. It's already underway even as we speak, and Jim and I are speaking uh, about 8.30 in the morning uh, here. So as this airs, though, almost day one will be completed. Nice field this year. Justin Thomas, though, probably doesn't come unless they change the playoff rules for the FedEx Cup. Only 70 make it. He's at 75. So here's Justin Thomas. That's good for Minnesota golf fans. It's great. Yeah, and, and there's some cool stories out there. Justin yep. Thomas is a world-class player who's trying to find his game. Tony Finau is one of the best people and players in the game. Yeah. Uh, Cameron Champs uh, hits at eight miles. Um, Eric Van Royen played, you know, South African who played for the University of Minnesota. He's not only playing, but his caddy, who played with him at the University of Minnesota, qualified, so he's playing against his caddy. <laughs> uh, Caleb Van Aragon is one of the best young players we've seen in Minnesota in a long time. He got a sponsor's exemption. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, listen, it, it, ain't, it ain't the U.S. Open, but that's okay. It's, it, they'll put on a good show out yep. there. Yep, that's right. Jim, thanks so much. Thanks, Todd. Live at 5 Sports at Todd and Suhan brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort.